Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I'm joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how you doing? I'm doing really good, Henry. Happy to be here, like always. Awesome. I'm also joined by Christian Diadamo. Christian, how goes? Oh, how's it going? It goes well over here. It is. It's a great day in the Bay Area today. Excellent. The Comic Sauce Podcast is on social media. Follow us at Comic Sauce Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And today we're going to talk some Eternals, the latest offering from the MCU. The third of four Marvel Studios movies of 2021. So we're going to get into it. So with Eternals, we all just saw this together last Sunday night. So it's fairly Mm -hmm. fresh in our collective brains. Um, So we can get into it. Um, Yeah. With Eternals, this is... um, not a super well-known group of superheroes so maybe we can start there um what was our background with these characters before seeing the movie do you guys know who the eternals were did you read any comics anything like that did you go in totally fresh Hmm. um all right i guess i'll i'll start so uh, I've never read any sort of Eternals comic before um, made by the legendary Jack Kirby. I I kind of knew who they were very tangentially because the Celestials, I think it's the origin, that's the first time the Celestials appeared in Marvel and they've appeared in many other comics since then and are always just a, like a very core part of Cosmic Marvel. Um, the original Infinity Gauntlet storyline comes to mind. Um but it, I was much, much more familiar with uh, Jack Kirby's other work at DC, which it felt very similar, which was the New Gods. And I think, like, I guess that's more of my ballpark. Got it. How about you, Preferio? So I never, like, I knew Eternals was always a Jack Kirby project and never read any of his comics. But I did over... Um, the pandemic, I read the the run written by Neil Gaiman, and you know he did the Sandman series, right? And um, I mean, Eternals is a freaking complicated <laughs> um, team, like they're celestial beings, and it was, you know, because you know this movie totally changes the characters in the for the from the comics it was hard keeping track of how they were identified and everything um but yeah they're just a really interesting bunch cool yeah um i went in pretty much 100 percent not knowing any of these characters so it sounds like collectively we didn't have a ton of 
background knowledge. And yeah, like I knew very little and I was actually kind of looking forward to get to know these uh, lesser known characters. And I think that's uh, pretty common with, with a lot of folks going in to see the Eternals movie, not a whole lot of background. And um, yeah, these aren't household names. These aren't, you know, the Batmans, Spider-Mans, Superman's, Iron Man's of the world, right? Um, these are much lesser known characters. Uh, so yeah, like I said, I think our our background going in was was pretty similar uh, to a lot of other folks. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh, seeing the movie. This movie uh, currently is uh, at the theaters only, right? Uh, they, again, chose not to do what they did with Black Widow and have it uh, be available on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so the only way to see it was in the movie theaters, and we all went together. And, um, yeah, actually, the way we saw it was pretty unique. You want to talk a little bit about that, Perferio? Yeah, sure. So... We went as a group, um, you guys, Michelle, Megan, and uh, a few other of my friends, and we went for to celebrate my uh, 27th birthday. And yeah, I rented out a movie theater for us to go watch um, Eternals at Century in Daly City. And there was a group of 15 of us, and yeah, we had the whole theater to to ourselves to watch it yeah very cool and you know happy birthday once again Perferio. <laughs> thanks yeah and happy birthday yeah yay and this is a pretty cool way to celebrate a birthday you know a private movie screening for a new marvel studios movie like that's uh -huh. awesome <laughs> and uh it was it was definitely a good time so um yeah, I think I think the the atmosphere was good. Like I I had never done anything quite like it. Like at the theater, this is a major multiplex. The the Daily City Century, a um, lot of theaters there, and um, you know on the movie listings, uh, they showed a private movie screening, <laughs> seven p.m. and like. <laughs> Oh shit, that's us. So that that <laughs> that's alone part, was a party. <laughs> that alone was awesome. Yeah, it was exciting to see that. Uh so uh the, the stage was set for a fun night out and it was definitely an enjoyable experience. A uh, great way to to uh celebrate a birthday, no question. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I think we're all anxious to get into the movie itself. And before we do that, I wanted to call out the fact that the movie experience, the, or I should say the movie going experience is not the movie itself, right? So to say that uh, we all had a great time getting together, going to this private screening, um, celebrating your birthday, that was all great. So I think we can't deny that. Um, so the opinions that we're going to give about the movie have nothing to do with 
the movie going experience, which was pretty much across the board <laughs> positive, right? <laughs> so you you all could probably tell where we're heading I, with this setup. I I feel like you. I'm glad you're like reiterating this just to make it clear. <laughs> just, just to be clear. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you know, it's 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 no surprise that there are going to be a lot of negative opinions given about this movie. Um, but again, not to say that it has anything to do with the experience of watching the movie, and certainly not the people. The great people we all got to see the movie with. Y'all are great people. <laughs> so <laughs> disclaimer over. And speaking of disclaimers, let's give the spoiler alert. No holds barred. We will get into plot spoilers, etc. for Eternals. So let's get into it. Now, uh, what I was alluding to was... The fact that the three of us are pretty split on this movie, we'll definitely get into that. Uh, but I did want to note that um, our opinions here are kind of a microcosm of what's going on right now. A lot of people are split on this movie. Uh, critics are split. Fans are split. It's very divisive. So um, that that's always pretty interesting to me when there's a superhero property that is uh, divisive like this. So let's talk through it, man. Um, I think we can start with uh, what often we start with is, which is uh, the positives. Maybe we can start with the positives of the movie. Um, how about you, Christian? Uh, what were some of the aspects of this movie you enjoyed? All right, positives. So, um, <laughs> I think while my opinion of it ended up being negative, I guess overall of the movie, uh, there are there are definitely some high points in this movie, and I think the first thing is probably the Celestials. I think that they looked great. There, there's something about the epic scale of them. Um, when you see uh, what's his name, Arashem, and uh, you see Ajax just in front of him and the way he kind of towers over everything else. And it's such a grand scale to things. Like there's something like, I think like very epic about this movie that the, the scale, the timeline and what it's dealing with is just such a cosmic proportion. Um, that's also like very, very well shot. I, I will also add that, you kind of feel that this is like a very grand movie with a lot of very grand ideas. You have um, concepts of like brought brought in from the Bible with the beginning of Mesopotamia almost being like the Garden of Eden. And you have Ajak, a motherly character, and the rest of her Eternals are her children that she sets free into the world to, to kind of experience humanity for themselves and live their own lives. Um and then you have well, you like and i think while there may have been too many characters i think there were a lot of good ideas for the characters i think they brought a lot of diversity a whole lot of diversity into this cast and make made each one different um makari for example uh who is deaf uh, the actress is deaf you um and then of course like 
you have uh, what's his name? I'm blanking on the uh, the guy at the end. The guy, the guy's name at the end. Um, the guy who was gay. Um, uh, Fados. Yeah, Fastos. Fastos. Yeah, there's just so many characters in this movie that it's kind of hard to keep track of mm-hmm. with very with very like grand sounding names. So Fastos. Um, I thought he was great. Um, and the, the list kind of goes on of just like, like, like interesting ideas, well thought ideas and the grand scale of it all. Okay, cool. Um, how about you, Perferio? What did you like about this movie? Yeah, so I thought it was very like visually well done. Um, I think that's like a big reason why Kevin Feige wanted the director Chloe to be part of this project just because she has like this like um, you know creative visual aspiration that he wanted her to um, take with the Eternals especially like a set of characters that we've never seen before in the MCU and um, and I think like you know, no matter whether or not you like the movie, I think that's been like the number one thing that both critics and fans and again, like people who disliked or didn't like the movie can agree on was just that like, it was just visually well done. Um, But uh, besides that, I think what I enjoyed about this movie was that it wasn't your typical MCU movie with like, um, you know, like action scenes and the big bad guy and all this stuff. I feel like this movie kind of went a little bit more philosophical um, and took on like this like deep meaning of like, is the human race worth saving? You know, like we're like God-like creatures, like, should we help them out you know how much do we interfere in human existence and just exploring those kind of um issues and storylines i've always been intrigued with like especially you know like in sci-fi films you know like blade runner and um you know just those movies that that tackle those kind of issues i i just tend to enjoy and i feel like this is i think a big reason why I was just so drawn to um, Eternals. Got it. Good take. Yeah, you know, that's a pretty good argument for this movie. The fact that it is not your typical Marvel movie. So if you are of the opinion that the MCU is sort of treading water and giving you the same thing over and over again, Maybe you want to check out this movie because it is certainly not anything like we've seen before in the MCU, right? It is different. It is very different. Okay, that said, on my side, um, I do have a lot of strong negative feelings for this movie. Um, But I'm not going to say like there is absolutely, absolutely nothing I liked at all here um the list is short but it's not absolutely nothing um 
I kind of liked how the movie started. So um, the movie started with uh, the song Time by Pink Floyd. Really love that song. Um, and I thought it was a cool way to start the movie. And they actually showed the Marvel Studios logos uh, with that song playing over it. Like, like a different take. I'm so used to hearing the like the triumphant MCU score playing there, but they had this this trippy psychedelic uh, rock song playing, and uh, I thought that was cool. And I was kind of ready. I was ready to go. And uh, that's another thing I wanted to say too, that I wanted to like this movie. Right off the bat, I knew it was going to be different, like based on the trailers. And the fact that like I was completely unfamiliar with these characters, I just knew it was going to be different. So um, I, I wanted to like it. And uh, Christian, you made a good call out that it is an extremely diverse cast. Huge points for that, too. You know, like, that's great. There was a ton of diversity in the cast for this for this movie. I would add too that there is diversity behind the camera too. Uh, so for that alone, um, that's great. You know, I, I want to see more of that. And uh, um, that, that was uh, pretty refreshing. And really that's all I liked about the movie. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's where the list ends. Um, we can, you know, uh, revisit about things we enjoyed but uh i'm certainly ready to get into some of the negative territory um yeah so i'm not alone here uh, a lot of people around the world have have issues with this movie so um maybe we, we should go over some of the more obvious ones yeah, some of the stuff that I've been hearing come up quite a bit. And you actually kind of called it out, Christian. It's a pretty big cast. There are a lot of Eternals, right? Um, I would say too many. There, there are too many characters in this movie. So uh, a big downfall for the movie, I think, is that I never really cared about the characters in this movie and... I think the reason why, or certainly a big reason why, is that there's just too many. You can't develop that many characters over the course of two and a half hours, right? Um, so it probably would have been a better idea to shave down the main cast a bit. Uh, yeah, any thoughts around the room here about uh, the number of characters? Were there too many um, should they have highlighted a, a smaller group of them? Any thoughts there? Yeah, like I think going off what you're saying, which I think connects to another negative point is that like, yeah, there's too many characters. Um, and just the fact that there's too many new characters, you know, because like the reason why the movie was so long was like there was kind of like, two storylines going on at the same time there's like the current storyline of trying to stop the emergence from happening and then there's like another storyline of like flashbacks to like 
um, the eternal history with human existence to get to know like how they got to that present day of like of different parts of the world or different ideologies um, from when they first like started, you know? And, you know, this was like the issue with like Suicide Squad, like you're, you're introducing way too many characters and you're trying to give a lot of backstory while at the same time showing the current backstory. So it's like, you're trying to make up and show a movie that never happened with a movie that's happening right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I get why they need to do it, but it does take away a lot from, like, that whole sense of, like, getting to know the characters, which, like, what we did with, like, Avengers, you know? Yeah, Prefer, you, you made a good point that these are new characters. Like, we have not seen these characters in a movie before. So the argument about too many characters someone might say well like there are a shit ton of characters in avengers endgame well guess what those aren't new characters we got to to get to know a lot of those characters over the course of like 20 movies right um but here these are brand new characters and it was just really spread thin you know it it was really hard to care about what was going on with these people when you got to know them in like just little bits of dialogue here and there. Right. Um, so th- that's a pretty common argument against the movie to the fact there, that there are too many characters. And I, I do think the character development suffered and ultimately like investing in these characters at all suffered as well. Yeah. So I, I had to look this up. <laughs> Um, I had to like double check. There are ten Eternals in this movie. Yeah. Um. Like, which is a lot for like all introduction, where you also have to introduce, um, you know, Arshim, and the villain, the Deviants, and like. These are characters that are like thousands of years old too. And I think one of the pro like. They introduce them all like very quickly at the beginning, and then they all break apart. And I think uh, one problem, like that, I think really ruins the pacing is that like them getting back together is a very slow process that happens very gradually throughout the film. And so you're going into the third act, or what feels like what should be the third act of this movie, and it feels like they're still reintroducing characters. Like Bakari doesn't show up until very very late in the movie. Um, same with Fastos. Um, and like, whereas most of it focuses on just, uh, Cersei, Icarus, and Sprite. Um, like, but like, there's just kind of so many, it's, it, it, it can be a little hard to keep track of. I think a lot of their costuming is also very, very similar. Um, and so each one doesn't particularly, I think, stand out as much as they should. Um, like I found when I was watching, I kind of had to like, I found like the Justice League equivalent to them. I'm like, oh yeah, like Icarus. Okay, he's the Superman character. He's the one that shoots lasers. Okay, Thena, she's the Wonder Woman character. You know, like I, that's that's kind of how I was able to like grasp the cast and grasp all of them was by relating a different superhero property, largely like. 
I'm not sure if these are characters that are meant to be in separate movies before. So I'm I'm thinking like they really should have just condensed a lot of the cast. I think even just like making it like seven, I think even would have helped a lot. Seven or eight, even just taking out two of them, I think would have really helped and get them all back together closely. Uh, like or not closely, much much quicker in the film, like. Like, it just feels like too much. And then you have also Kit Harrington's character who, shows, who has a scene. You have um, the uh, the camera guy following around uh, Kingo. You have, like, all these other side characters, too, that, like, have scenes, that have, you know, motivation, that have all these different things in the movie. And it's kind of just, like, it's all it's just weighted down, I think, a little too much. Yeah. I do agree there. So, um, you know, we talked about the characters. There's a lot of characters um, and arguably too many. Um, so when we talk about storytelling, it's really two main ideas, right? Do we care about the characters? I'm saying no. The other side of it is, of it is do we care about the story? So the story is pretty interesting here in Perfurio, you kind of alluded to it, but it is very grand and epic. You know, it's it's the birth of the universe as we know it, right? Um, this, like I was saying before, is not the Marvel we know. The Marvel we know is, you know, Peter Parker trying to get a date. You know, it's uh, it's smaller scale. It's relatable, right? This is a total 180 from all that. Uh, instead of your friendly neighborhood superhero um, beating up bad guys and preventing old ladies from getting their purses snatched, we're talking about uh, the destruction of worlds and uh, the birth of godlike creatures, right? Um, this is very different. This is just a whole different level. So, you know, going back to what I was, the, the question I was, I was posing is, do we care about this story? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think it's, it's, it tends to be a little easier when there are relatable elements in the story. That's why we have gotten to know and love this uh, sort of smaller scale storytelling. It's relatable, right? Um, the, the, the neighborhood hero um, has troubles just like we have. And then in the end, uh, it becomes big. You know, like the, the, the small scale hero has to save the world. Um, that's kind of a known formula that has, has worked well. Here it's it's different, right? From from the beginning of this movie, it's like we're talking big ideas, big things going on. Epic. You know, I think, Christian, you mentioned that word epic in nature. How do we feel about that? How do we feel about like the, the epic story here? Does that did, did it work for you? Was it too big? It sounded like it kind of worked for you, Perfurio. That's what you kind of liked about the movie, right? But yeah, what are your guys' thought about thoughts about um, like the ape, the epic nature of the storytelling? 
Yeah, I mean, um, I think, yeah, the storyline work, like, it was such a godlike storyline. Um, again, I think, like, you know, the, the Eternals, they're, like, these, like, godlike figures, you know, who are just, like, each have their own superpower, they're celestial beings, um, they definitely, like, shape, like, human um, history and everything, and so I kind of like, you know, like, um, what, what's her name, A Ajax, how she says, like, in the beginning, like, she, they can't interfere so much with human existence um, unless deviants are involved, because, you know, they have to let humans evolve on their own. And so, like, this whole storyline about, like, are the humans worth saving, you know, like, um, to to go and create, like, a bunch more, like, billions other um, planets, like, are they worth saving, you know? And um, then you have, like, sides from both, like, the, like, what I like is, like, the Eternals, they're not, like, unanimous and like saying like this is good or this is bad they're just kind of like you know um humans are like vile creatures or like humans like i think like the big reason why ajax like decides to turn on her maker and save the human race is because she realized like the will of humans when they um uh like after half the population disappeared from from Thanos' snap and realize like they have a really strong will. So again, all these like philosophical questions that were like brought up about like interfering and are humans worth saving are just questions that I enjoyed um, like this adventure of seeing what what is the answer for the Eternals. I yeah, any thoughts on your end, uh, Christian? Yeah. Um, uh, like, that was actually a part I did enjoy. Um, and going off what Porfirio said, I did really like the, um, the way, the, way the, uh, the structure of the entire universe was handled. How you have these very godlike creatures um, living on Earth in the same way, like, kind of like a superhero, but in a different way. And they're the Eternals uh, kind of facilitate the grand like scale of the universe, the, the entire life and death of planets, how uh, these celestial beings are like birthed from planets, which destroy the planets and in a sense create like new life on other planets. And the cycle like generally continues and continues over many, many millennia. Um, and I think, like, I thought that twist was really, really interesting. And I thought um, it, it was an interesting way to handle the Celestials. Um, and Arshem is, like, their their boss. Like, is is the one giving them orders. And the way, um, while also controlling their memories, in a sense, I thought that was cool. How they kind of take shape of the life on the planet there. And, like, they have memories, but when they're done, they essentially return to him, and then their memories are stored, but they've forgotten by the individual Eternal, and they're all sent on a different mission. And they find that they've basically been doing the same thing for who knows how long. 
I think there's, um, I thought that was an interesting twist. I thought there was a great idea behind it. And like I said before, I think anything involving the Celestials I liked. Um, but I do think some of the epicness, I think, of the of this very grand story. Excuse me. I think uh, it is undercut, I think, by the characters. And I think while I really, like, enjoyed it, I wasn't, I think, as fully immersed in it as I, I really wish I was. Got it, got it, good take. Yeah, so I had a problem here, too. Yeah, not only did I not care about the characters, I didn't care about the story either. You know, I kind of get what you guys are driving at, where it is interesting. It poses some pretty deep philosophical questions about life, about the universe. Um, but it is very epic. It's big. And it was just... Uh, too much to take in you know we got these superheroes who essentially have godlike powers you got um a lot of characters like we're saying um and you're already sort of struggling with all these characters that are new to you and it, it's hard to sort of relate and find any sort of grounding any kind of uh relatability here and then you're thrown into this like cosmic world, this cosmic universe where it's just a lot to ask for, for me to take in and get any sort of connection. Like I felt completely disconnected from this movie. Um, I was trying to find a way in and it was just all, uh, you know, kind of a like a spectacle sort of experience. I felt like a spectator. I was not immersed or involved in it really you know um so i part of this i think you know there's there's a per personal preference side of this i'm a big marvel fan but um historically i'm not i haven't been into cosmic marvel a whole lot um you know hence i was totally unfamiliar with with these characters going in um not a big reader of uh the silver surfer and and that sort of thing um so I needed like an entry point. And, you know, I, I think a little bit about how Thor was introduced into the MCU. So Thor is like a pretty out there character, right? When you think of Thor and Asgard and all that stuff, the Rainbow Bridge, it, it's it's pretty out there. Um, but with that first Thor movie, they, they humanized him, right? Odin takes Thor's powers away. Um, so that was kind of like an easing of that transition, right? Um, this movie took a, a completely different stance. Like we're going to give you this epic story of the birth of the universe and you're going to have to like just uh, go for the ride, right? And I just, I could not find a way in. This was just, uh, it didn't work for me. Like I said, I, I could not uh, care about uh, the characters or the story, really. So that, that was like, that was kind of the bottom line stuff on my end uh so what else any more thoughts about um stuff y'all didn't care for so much in this movie for me one thing that i was really kind of annoyed about was i mean i feel like this was a question everybody was asking before the you know when they saw the trailer and before the movie was like where the fuck were the eternals when 
Thanos happened, you know? Right. Like, uh, and so the and to answer that question, they were there. They just did not interfere because the deviants were involved. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like that was like the stupidest like cop out answer ever. Like I was just <laughs> not satisfied with that answer. I was like, I was like, okay, I get you know you don't care about humans. And so because deviants weren't involved, and since Thanos didn't recruit any deviants, um, the Eternals weren't involved in helping out the humans. But all of a sudden, like when the humans um, came and resisted and fought back Thanos and returned everybody back into existence, then it was kind of like, okay, you know what? These guys are at least something. Like they may be worth saving. It's just kind of like. I don't know, kind of defeats that whole purpose of like why they were there in the first place. That I was, just, yeah, I just thought that was the stupidest reason ever to why they weren't involved. <laughs> I guess you could argue that at least they explained why they bothered to explain why. <laughs> Maybe to you it wasn't a satisfying answer, but they did give an answer at least, right? Uh, uh, Christian, you had something. I'm like, um. Like Thanos, I guess he, if you think about it, he did pose a threat because it's like their goal was to have the population reach a certain limit before the celestial would be born out of the earth. And so Thanos posed a direct threat by wiping out half the population. Ah, yeah. Not to mention, like, not to mention at the, uh, you know, the end of the movie in the after credit scene, you meet his brother, who's also like a celestial. Right. So if Thanos is like part celestial, you know, wiping out on like a conquest to wipe out half of the universe, like you think, like doesn't that cause a very direct threat to their mission? Even though you... he's not a deviant, and there's no <laughs> deviants involved. Good point. I, I think, I think even what's her name, um, Ajax. The uh, yeah, yeah, Ajax. Yeah, yeah. I think even she like said something about that. Um, she said, like, yeah, when the snap happened, like, obviously, like, it took their um, schedule uh, back, you know, because, yeah, they didn't have that enough human population to um, start the emergence. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I don't know why, like, the, because I think I was reading, like, um, like this, like, uh, um, comic the other day and about like the Eternals and Thanos' relationship. And from my understanding, it's that Thanos is half um, celestial and half deviant. Like, I guess like he wasn't liked by his parents for having that deviant um, variation. That's why he's like all like, purple and huge and all this stuff and that's why his brother totally looks different than him you know um but uh yeah i mean that's my understanding like and so i was you know that was a big question i had also before entering the um the movie was like were they like somehow make a reference to like thanos being part of like this like eternals family and they kind of you know make references here and there 
And I don't think it's really established till like that mid credit scene when his brother shows up. But I guess that, that was also like a big thing that Chloe said that she, they made a decision beforehand that Thanos was not going to be, he was never intended to like have like a major like um, talking point within the movie. Like they just wanted to like, uh, have it like be like its own standalone thing mm. but that's I don't know that's I feel like that's just a missed opportunity to know more about Thanos but I guess you know like at this point like they just want to move forward from the Infinity Saga and go into like this more like multiverse kind of um, plan I don't know yeah yeah I think I think that's that's a good take that they're just looking to move forward at this point okay hey so christian you mentioned a dc comparison like the eternals somewhat resemble the justice league here right and there are some pretty interesting dc parallels going on here there is even a couple mentions of dc characters in this movie they reference superman and batman which is weird this is this is a marvel movie and people in this movie directly reference batman and superman um i don't know if that was part of the like dc-ness of this movie i don't know uh but i thought i'd speak to this a little bit um First, want to uh, start by saying not all DC movies are bad, as we know. <laughs> uh, but I will say this. A lot of this movie, a lot of the negative elements of this movie resemble a bad DC movie, right? We have characters we don't care. We, characters we don't care about, a story we don't care about, and overly effects driven right there are a lot of visual effects in this movie um we got the deviants who seem like maybe they came out of a dc movie a bad dc movie uh, um it like I, i'm sure someone has stated this before but this does feel like marvel has made a dc movie um yeah any thoughts on that yeah, I think I think I definitely know what you're what you're coming at, and I think Perfir even mentioned um, Suicide Squad before. Um, and I guess uh, this might this might be a bit of a tangent, but um, as far as DC ness of this movie, something I noticed or something I thought about like after watching this movie, so and I had to look it up after. So, um, this this movie features the fourth evil Superman type character that we've seen in the past, like a year. Like, Oh yeah. Like, Cause you first, you got the boys, which came out about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Homelander. You have Omni man from invincible. Yep. And then this is kind of more of it's, I guess it's more of three and a half. So you, if you go back to Zack Snyder's Superman, actually, no, there's another evil Superman movie that just came out. Um, then you have injustice the animated movie, which I haven't seen, but it's about Superman breaking bad and going evil. And then you have that scene in Zack Snyder's Superman where Superman comes back to life and attacks the Justice League. 
Right. And now, after all of that, you have this movie, which features a character who's pretty much Superman <laughs> being evil. And, his big twi- and he's like one of the big bads of the movie as the big twist. Which, like, I don't know. Like, you could say that's almost a casualty of the pandemic because of the way the pandemic uh, just shifted a lot of times schedules around for movies. Um, but, like, you know, you see him, you see, like, because I've, I feel like I've seen evil Superman so many times recently. When Ajax is dead, I'm like, oh, oh of course it was Icarus that killed him. Like, when he's, it was a deviant that killed him. I'm like, nah, he killed him. That's the twist. He's, he's the bad guy, the movie. <laughs> and yeah. lo and behold, I was right. Mm-hmm. There you like, go. <laughs> because it's like, like, I don't know. Like, it was like, eh, it felt a bit like a bit of a knockoff of the Justice League. I felt at times. Yeah. I would add to that too. I, I gave like a pretty, long list about how a lot of the elements in this movie resemble DC movie, but um, I left one out and that's the godlike powers. You know, the Eternals are incredibly powerful superheroes, right? Um, And that has always been a bit of a problem with me uh, with a lot of these DC heroes, right? They're hard to relate to because they are so powerful. Um, I feel like Eternals has some of those same problems. Um, on top of everything that I've mentioned, yeah, these are really powerful people, and it is hard to identify with them for that reason. Okay, here's another problem I had. The, the powers on display, yeah, speaking of, of these powerful characters, the powers on display, um, it, it, this is this is kind of a pet peeve of mine like I, i'm not like against like incredibly powerful superheroes with godlike abilities by itself but if you if a movie does not really explain what these characters can and cannot do that's a big problem so you know i i've I was struggling through this movie to find these connection points. I I couldn't find them, but then I thought, well, at least maybe I can just enjoy this movie for the spectacle of it. Enjoy some battle scenes. There is actually a lot of action in in this movie. It's, it's all throughout the movie. There are fights and battles going on. The Eternals battling the deviants. It's happening all throughout the movie. Right. Uh, But like I was getting at you, you, you're never really, uh, told what these people can or cannot do. So there are certain parts of the movie where all of a sudden something happens and you're like, oh, I, I, they can do that? I didn't know that. So I, I gave the, uh, the spoiler alert before, but um, at the end of the movie, uh, the character Sprite, she, her main issue is that she is like for, forever youthful looking, even though she's like thousands of years old. She looks like a, a little girl, right? And that's been an issue for her. So uh, the character of Cersei uh, at the end gives her the option of becoming mortal. Like she can, she has the power to do this, to like allow her to age finally. And I'm like, whoa, where did this come from? <laughs> like out of nowhere, right? Um, and that that character 
Cersei, you know, I love uh, Gemma Chan, but the, the character is kind of all over the place. Like all of a sudden she can turn a deviant into a tree and then she's able to like, like take on a celestial. Um, it, it really isn't explained. Like there's no setup, there's no explanation. And um, basically what happens is these battle scenes, they become kind of like what I've been saying, they become pure spectacle. There's no like, narrative tension in these scenes and there's no storytelling in the action right um uh a a uh, a real great thing that the mcu has done in the past is is having great action scenes but there's there's storytelling in the action there you know there's the moving forward of the story there's character development in action right um you know, sometimes there's complaints about these movies being just like all fighting, all battle. Um, but my counter argument to that is a lot of it is great because they're they're building character. You're getting to know these people through the action scenes. You're moving the plot forward, etc. There was none of that here. There was none of that. Like I was completely baffled by uh, the power sets going on. Another example, the, the Fastos character. At the end of the movie, he has these like, crazy whips that he was like tangling up uh, Icarus with. This is like the most powerful eternal, one of the most, you know, powerful beings out there. And he's, he's being like restrained by these, like these whips <laughs> or I don't know. They're like, yeah, like, I, I thought that's the, the, my best explanation is these whips that were like tangling him up. And I was like, Whoa, where did this come from? I didn't know he could do that just another example of like an unexplained power set uh so yeah i had a lot of problems with that what else um any other thoughts more more uh uh low lights negative thoughts on this movie i don't i don't want to beat a dead horse here but anything else uh well let's see so hmm Oh, here we go. Another negative for me. I want to talk about my least favorite scene in the movie. So, okay. Um, so I think the scene where like I think I like uh the scene that I think really turned me off the most. I think the scene that I really hated was the scene where they the eternal split up. Where they, they kind of split and you had your good guys and bad guys section. When they're on the ship, they're finally all together. And they finally reveal the plot. Or like... And you you know that um, Icarus has known the plot the whole time. You find out like he's killed Ajak. He's, and he's the bad guy. And the Eternals have to take sides. I think this is a really interesting setup because like you kind of see that their mission is at odds with how they feel about the human race and how, and like, I feel like this could have been the best scene in the movie, but I think um, it's kind of where I think a lot of the problems kind of come to a head is Kingo leaving the group and not showing up for pretty much the rest of the movie and Sprite going with um, Icarus. You right. can tell that these right. characters all have very different motivations. They all have very different ideas on how they they are approaching their mission, whether they, they should continue on with it. But like, 
um, there's a lot of complicated thoughts that weren't really communicated to us very clearly throughout the movie about how they would feel about their mission. You you did know that Sprite like Icarus, and she's just going with Icarus because she loves Icarus, and it's she was never able to act upon it, but she will stand by it. Um, but it's kind of just it, it feels like it comes out of nowhere. She's just, all right, I'm out later, and then you have Kingo, the man who like has very deeply connected with humans. He's a Bollywood star who uh, has been in Bollywood for several generations. He is the guy following him. And of all the characters, he's I found it weird that he was the one that just said, buy him out of here. Um, I think as a hero, like you expect all these people to be heroes. And I feel like that, that felt like a very unheroic thing to do. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like in line with the character. And it felt like he just kind of left for a contractual reason outside of the movie um, that he just couldn't shoot on that day that they were shooting it. Hmm. It comes out of nowhere and he doesn't show up for a triumphant return at the end to, to, you know, save the day or anything. He just, he's, he's not there. It's very, it's a very deflating moment when I think it really should have been uh, a very philosophical moment. And I think that that's the moment I think for me that, that really did kill this movie mm. was that particular scene. Um, yeah. yeah. You have something for Fury? No, I was just going to agree with you. Like I hated that scene where, yeah, like um, I thought it was really cool. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I honestly, I was, you said you saw that twist coming. I did not see that twist coming. So I was pretty excited to see how it was going to be played out. Because, um, uh, you know, the whole time, Icarus is just like, I stand by Cersei. I stand by Cersei. And then how he just like, you know, I've, I've let her be play hero for so long. Fuck her now. And then, like, he re- he reveals her, her pl- um, his plan. And then um, Sprite comes in, and she's just like, oh, yeah, like, let me go with you because I love you. You know, it's just like, it just made zero sense and was yeah. very stupid and came out of nowhere. And I was like, okay, this is dumb. And, <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I just, I just agree. Like that was kind of a letdown kind of scene. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's a good example of, uh, the, the character issues we have, right? So if there's a smaller set of characters and these characters that are developed, um, they would get more screen time. So when Sprite essentially declares her love for Icarus, um, as it is, it's like, huh? <laughs> right? In a, a more fleshed out character, you would know. You would like, you would know like, those longing looks earlier in the movie is like, ah, yeah, yeah. They set that up. Right. Yeah. As it was, you know, (laughs) it was, there was really no indication. Okay. So, Oh, this is something else I wanted to bring up. Um, There is a a lack of uh, humor in this movie too. We should probably call that, that out. Yeah, I think this has come up with a lot of other folks, but it's a very serious movie. You know, uh, we've talked about the, the epic scale of it. Um, 
it deals with big stuff. You know, it touches upon uh, the Hiroshima bombing. It talks about uh, the, the evolution and, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, cosmic goings ons, right? Um, pretty serious. It, it deals with it in a pretty serious way. And um, yeah, like, I felt like maybe they should have just let it be serious and that's it. But uh, they, they attempted humor. There was like some comedy in it, but the comedy in the movie, I, f- I felt really f- fell flat. Like the jokes did not hit. I, I didn't, I didn't laugh at any of the jokes in this movie. I mean, there weren't a lot, but the, when they tried to bring comedy in the mo- into the movie, I didn't laugh. And I felt it was just like, it, it was already disrupting. It was disrupting an already like problem filled story. Right. So, uh, yeah. Any thoughts on, on the humor or the lack thereof here? I like the humor. I don't know what you're talking about. Here. Like, <laughs> I mean, I it's, it's a very, it's a very <laughs> subjective thing. Sure. <laughs> I was laughing. I mean, like the whole, um, all the scenes with like Fados, I was kind of like, laughing all the time he was like really funny character he was just like you know they're making fun of him because of how he named that whole the bracelet that connected all of them as the unimind and then he had like a really fun interactions with him and his kid and the other eternals um and and then even like when um they went to to go meet up with athena and the um the asian eternal um how they had that whole dinner setting and kingo's um cameraman like he was funny i don't know i'm sorry henry i was laughing a lot during that movie <laughs> i'm glad you you laughed <laughs> what did yeah, you say christian i was yeah, like ahead. oh you guys are like the two opposites yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is a certain brand of comedy, I guess, that just didn't really work for me. Look, I'll give an example. So there is a, a, a gag in there where the, uh, uh, the Gilgamesh character, he uh, brews his own beer, right? And uh, they're having a big meal. The Eternals are having this big reunion meal. And Kingo is enjoying the beer. He's drinking the beers. This is great, man. Like, what's in here? And then uh, Gilgamesh says that he spit in it. His own spit is part of the ingredients of the beer. And then uh, Kingo's like, he doesn't like it anymore, right? And he stops drinking it. So it's like, it's just very like kind of a sitcom-y kind of humor. I thought it was hella corny and it just didn't work for me. And that brings me to another point. Uh, Before I do that real quick, uh, Kristen, do you have something? Oh, I, I just wanted to say I was actually kind of like in the middle, I think, of what you guys both thought <laughs> of the humor. I was like, oh, I kind of chuckled in a few parts. There were some parts that didn't work for me. Kingo was definitely like, I guess, the most lighthearted character. And I was like, oh, I kind of enjoyed this little his little bit about Bollywood, about him in Bollywood or whatever. I guess I just saw it as a way to just kind of break things up a little bit in the middle of the movie. I, I saw its purpose and chuckled a little bit. So I'll, I'm in the middle, smack dab. Interesting. Yeah, you know, when I think about it, 
it probably wouldn't have been the best idea to make this like a hundred percent serious movie. Um, yeah, it probably needed some comedic moments, but it the ones that they chose to have didn't work for me. Let's put it that way. Okay, so my next point is uh, this is again very subjective. We talked about the comedy in the movie. Comedy is a very subjective thing, and so is this the coolness factor. What is the coolness factor of this movie? So. Like at the end of this movie, I was sort of evaluating what I had just witnessed and all these thoughts went through my head, all these little shortcomings and gripes, etc. And then on top of all that, I thought this is just not a cool movie. This is. And it, again, it's super subjective, but um, that is another thing I really love about the MCU. MCU movies are fucking cool as shit, man. And like when I see a good Marvel Studios movies, I want to get merch like right away. You know, um, we can maybe talk later about the comparisons between this movie and Guardians of the Galaxy, because that movie also introduced these lesser known characters to the world. Right. So at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1, I was super stoked, had a great time, and I was like, I want to fucking get a Star-Lord jacket. I want to buy some Rocket Raccoon comics. I want to like, know more about these guys, right? I was so hyped, you know? It was such a cool movie. And then with this movie, like, I don't care. Like, I've been to, Car uh, to Target a few times, uh, since seeing this movie and there is like a lot of Eternals merchandise out there and like I could not care less dude uh, so again it's subjective but it's not cool this movie just doesn't feel cool to me and it's kind of like this weird x factor thing that is again subjective but um, yet another gripe about this movie on my end uh, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about like the coolness factor here but what do you guys think I mean, for me, like total 180 for me, Henry. Like for me, I'm just like, oh my gosh, these costumes are fucking awesome. I would totally dress up as one of these costumes for Comic-Con and just be like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm a fucking eternal. Like look at my badass costume. Like <laughs> I was I was loving it. And um, yeah, that's my take. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey another opposites yeah total <laughs> opposites there <laughs> while i come in for the median <laughs> it was a kind of cool like uh, I, I do think you bring an interesting point i think it's also a larger conversation of what makes the rule of cool yeah i think we could all we could almost do like i think a podcast about just the rule of cool and how it's applied and it is interesting you you like brought up Guardians because that was like the first movie I thought of is like yeah that movie really thrives on rule of cool with like how each of its characters are very unique and they all have fun powers and they do a lot of fun things with them and I think James Gunn is is, is you know uh, you could tell he really loved crafting that movie and it really shows and so. Um, 
I think you make a good point about like the Avengers and I think the MCU having a lot of like rule of cool about it and how like each, I would say like each of the Avengers kind of has their own different kind of flavor to them and each different thing to make them unique while also having them kick ass the way Thor comes from mythology and has Mjolnir, his epic hammer. Um, Iron Man has all the great technology, so on and so forth. And so I, I see what you mean, how the like the the rule of cool can be very subjective. And I think it's how you perceive each of these characters. I think it's how you relate to them. And I think the costuming that comes with them as well being brought up. I think uh, before you mentioned that and that was I think that that does play a big part of it. It's just like the how you connect the aesthetic of the film itself mm-hmm. and the and, and the world like. Whereas, like, I guess I would be somewhere in the middle. Whereas, like, I wasn't really into the Eternals at all. But I thought these uh, Celestials were fucking badass. I thought they were really cool. I would love to see more of our Shem and then bring in more of them. I thought that final scene in the um, after credit scene where you actually see our Shem in the, uh, with the scale of the Earth in mind and how he looks next to the earth and you see him just towering and i thought that was really cool um or when ajak is talking to arshim and you see like the two connected and how just like the grand scale i think that is where the rule of cool comes in with me with that specific character of arshim and the and the celestial being like half born so i guess yeah i'm somewhere in the middle it was median cool. All right, we got the full spectrum here. Excellent, <laughs> love it. Uh, yeah, this is cool. Like uh, uh, quite often, we're all on the same wavelength. Uh, today, not quite the case, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about post-credit scenes. Okay, this is a good transition because. Um, this kind of goes along with the coolness factor too, because uh, in the first post-credit scene, we are introduced to a brand new MCU character. Star Fox is introduced to the MCU. And um, yeah, Star Fox is certainly in the uh, cosmic Marvel camp. So it uh, this scene kind of teases more of this universe uh but the reason why i say you know this is kind of a transition from our coolness discussion because i think star fox's costume is corny as fuck man i cannot believe this costume like i saw this i'm like what am i seeing here um again this kind of like goes back to some of the the bad dc comparison you know um this dude looks straight out of like a bad DC EU movie. And I'm like, this is the, is this where we're going? Kevin Feige? Like, is this happening? Um, and uh, I, to me, this is almost like a potential jump the shark moment. Uh, I later came to find out that the actor who plays Star Fox is none other than Harry Styles, 
who many may know as a member of One Direction. <laughs> so uh, this is startling. <laughs> this was startling information for me to process. Um, you know, I'm a little bit older. I'm I'm from Generation X. And I, I, I have issues with this kind of music in the first place, but uh, to have uh, this, that world sort of infiltrate uh, my, uh, you know, my, my love, the, uh, the movies of, the Mar of Marvel Studios is very startling. I'm still processing it, uh, but this is, uh, this is highly troubling. Um, what are, what are your guys' thoughts about uh, the intro of Star Fox into the MCU here? Um, let's see. I didn't really know. Like, uh, I guess I wasn't too hot on him. Although, every time I think of Star Fox, I just can't not think of the video game. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> that's all I think. The, the Nintendo game. Yeah. Is just a, you know, a fox, uh, you know anthropomorphic fox going through space in his, his little ship. And so <laughs> I guess it's oddly similar to this Star Fox, but he's also the brother of Thanos, I guess. Um, Like, I don't know. I, I guess it's like, it's, it's such a small piece. I didn't really have much to think about it or much to say other than just like the name just, just bothered me, I guess. <laughs> A side note, uh, the character of Pip is also in this scene, and Pip is played by Patton Oswalt, who I think is super cool, but uh, just a side note. Uh, <laughs> Perverio, what are your thoughts on, on this post credit scene? Um, Eros, I, I mean, again, this was kind of like the disappointing thing for me, because I kind of knew a little bit about this character, so I was like, okay, now they're finally connecting it to um, Thanos, you know, like introducing the brother. But um, I was kind of like, at that point, I was just kind of like, that's it? Just just this mis mid, mid credit scene? Like, you know, like, oh, Thanos fucked up and I'm here cleaning up his mess or anything like that, you know? Um, but I, I also did take issue with the casting choice. I'm not... I'm not the biggest Harry Styles fan, so that's why I was like, ugh, really? Harry Styles out of all people? Um, I think the only other movie I've seen him in was in uh, Dunkirk. Um, so I wasn't... Oh, right, right. Oh, he was. Yeah, so... Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So I really didn't care. I, I feel like, honestly, for me, I think a better casting choice would have been someone like scott eastwood to be um eros but that's just my take so yeah i think by that credits mid credit scene i didn't i just didn't care for the character and it took me a while to process like who it was and then yeah by the time i processed i was like no then why, why didn't they do this earlier with like thanos and all this stuff but whatever that's just my thing i really wanted get your guys' thoughts on the costuming too, because look, historically the MCU has been very good about taking source material and translating it to the screen in a graceful way. You know, 
the costumes in the comics sometimes are very outlandish, outlandish, etc. But they found a way to make them work in the real world, right? Captain America has a very silly costume in the comics, but they made his battle suit in the MCU pretty cool. And um, here, I mean, what I'm seeing here is like a direct translation from the comics. Like, that's why I'm saying when I saw Star Fox in this scene, I was like, dude, what the hell, man? He looks super corny. Um, there was a little bit of that, I feel like, in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, where they, they took like a direct translation of the new Captain America suit. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Thoughts on, on the costume? Did, did you guys think it was okay? <laughs> I had some major problems here. Yeah, it, it was pretty corny. Um, <laughs> like, I didn't I didn't really care for it either. Um, I guess I had no real connection to Star Fox, so I thought, uh, I guess? Like, yeah. Pip did not mm-hmm. look very good at all. The CGI on Pip <laughs> was also kind of bad. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, there's something we agree on there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so what? yeah, go ahead, Preferio. Like, okay, like I feel like you know, even at the at the end, they said like the Eternals will, will return. And do you guys think that like the Eternals will somehow be? play a larger role in the MCU or you think they'll come back like in another kind of like standalone Eternals 2 film because from what my understanding has been like this past few weeks is that like because the Eternals isn't really a favored um, movie that the plans for a sequel have been kind of been put on jeopardy so what do you guys think should be happening next? Should they have like their own sequel or should they play like a larger role with the rest of the MCU? Okay. I have some thoughts here. So along with all the problems I have with this movie, maybe number one is the fact that this is a proper MCU movie. What does that mean? That this is forever linked with everything, right? We cannot sweep this under the rug. This is here. (laughs) We have to deal with it. This is part of the universe, right? Um, In past shitty movies, we can just let them go, right? They're standalone and, um, you know, is what it is, right? Um, Here, we can't do that, right? This is this is part of it. We have to deal with it. And it's such an epic story. It affects everything. It literally affects everything. It affects everything in the universe, explains all this stuff. Right. And um, the way it ends is. You know, uh, the Celestials are not happy with what's happened and they're going to, like, come back and have some sort of judgment right um so that's where it kind of leaves off that's like the cliff cliffhanger aspect of it so you pose a good question preferio like what do you think is going to happen next um will there be an eternal sequel 
will there be any continuation of the story at all? Um, I think they have to have some sort of continuation. Like they can't just like stop it dead in its tracks because like I'm saying, uh, the MCU is all connected. And so far it hasn't really been a problem because it's all been pretty good, right? Uh, but for me, for a lot of folks, uh, this movie is a big problem. So what the hell are they going to do? Dude, I don't know. Um, I have a feeling that their grand plan was to have like Eternals 2 and then Eternals 3 and then uh, crossovers. Um, but as it is, I think it'll just be a more minimized story and um, they will continue uh, the storyline somehow. It seems like it was referenced in Shang-Chi, right? Um, but uh, I, I think it will be somewhat minimized. I don't think it will play out um, in like an Avengers type scenario where like uh, there will be some sort of uh, epic event involving uh, everything we saw in this movie. Yeah, it'll be kind of a minimized sort of thing, I think. Yeah, like, I think one of the, like, the best parts of the MCU uh, that we've seen over the years is that they they do stick to their guns. We've seen, I think, um, Thor 2 is always thrown around as, like, the worst MCU movie. Um, but, of course, in Endgame, they went back there and they revisited that movie Yeah. Um, for the Infinity Stone. They didn't really. They didn't brush it under the rug. They didn't, it, it happened, and they referenced it in Thor Ragnarok as well. And so I, I think uh, Eternals probably needs a bit of that Ragnarok treatment. I'm not saying it should turn into the same exact type of movie that Ragnarok turned into, but I think the idea and the core premise, I I, I might rework it a little bit. Uh, uh, but I do think the world of the Eternals. There's a lot to mine from. I think Cosmic Marvel is really cool um, and that they can really expand upon the Celestials with uh, the Fantastic Four, for example. I think that would be a good way to, to I think that might be a good property to cross over with if they do decide to cross over or maybe Captain Marvel. And like, I, you know, I do want to see what happens to Arishim and his judgment that they might save for a later date. But um, I wouldn't mind putting down the Eternals for a minute, like, while they build up some more new characters and kind of see what works and what doesn't. Uh, we've had a lot, a lot of Marvel this year, and there's a lot of different directions that we've seen. We're starting to see the universe go. Uh, with the time, the, not time travel, the multiversal element of Loki, and the kind of street crime, more element of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and of course, many, many others. And so I think it's something to come back. I would love to see elements of it, but I think I could wait on Eternals 2. I think they need to find a really good idea, and they need to find a way to condense the Eternals a little more and really like refocus on what, what would make them great and what would make a great movie. Mm -hmm. I I I was reading like the the possibly the next big 
Marvel film to reference the Eternals might be, or that makes the most sense is um, Fantastic Four, actually. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because, yeah. um, you know, the you, you, like you were saying, Christian, how like, what's the Celestial Bean? What's his name? Um, Ar- uh, Arsham. Arsham, yeah. Like how he's going to come back and judge... Um, earth whether or not it's worth saving like there's like i've been reading that like maybe the best way to like move forward is like he comes back and says that like he doesn't want earth to exist and so he sends like galacticus to come and be like an eater of the planet you know oh yeah that's a that's a good idea Yeah, you guys are making some some good points here. Yeah, I think um, the way Kevin Feige operates is he kind of allows a lot of stuff to be thrown out there, but um, he doesn't follow through on all of it, right? So I don't know. I don't even know if he has a set idea on like the next major villain of the MCU. Who's the next? Thanos going to be I don't know if he has an answer for that you know I think isn't a king I mean it it certainly seems like king and um I would be on board with that but I think like there might have been kind of a feeling out process here you know he might have been like well this Erisham guy kind of pans out well you know maybe that'll be like the next the next major conflict like this whole like celestial's judgment of earth you know um but based on you know fan reaction and just how well the movies and the shows work out maybe we go another direction right so i don't know right now it does seem like kang is the right way to go um but it certainly felt like they were kind of testing the waters a bit here and um maybe uh you know failing uh-huh. in this case <laughs> okay i have another question for you guys like henry was saying like net the eternals is part of the mcu now like there's no ignoring the storyline but there's a big part of the storyline that's gonna that has to i feel like you can't ignore and has to be addressed in future mcu films and that's the um the <laughs> existence of a celestial being on earth you know like cersei froze a celestial being so yeah that's pretty freaking hard to miss like <laughs> how how the hell are like the avengers gonna like respond to that and be like where the fuck were we you know like who are these eternals people like what are celestials like how were i i really want to know that's the big questions like gone in the back of my mind that I've taken out of this film is like, how are they gonna? Because even there's like even news outlets at the end of the film, like that this giant creature um, showed up, you know, near this island. Like, how are they gonna fucking address that? That's my question. That is a good question. And uh, this is a problem with the MCU for a while, you know, like so many of these movies 
have like potential world ending events. And you always wonder, like, where are the other superheroes, right? Other than the Avengers movies, you're like, you know, how come show how come so and so didn't show up for this other guy's movie, right? And uh, yeah, there's and that kind of goes back to the comics. Even when I was a kid reading these comics, I was like, you know, if the world was going to end, don't you think like a handful of other superheroes would have been able to to help out or something but you know what i'm driving at is sometimes you just can't explain it sometimes you just kind of gotta let it go (laughs) i mean there are a lot of benefits of a connected universe like you guys are saying um but there are drawbacks this is a drawback right um everyone can't be everywhere at the same time uh so i don't think we're ever gonna get that addressed really I, i don't think um, you know, you can get around this whole judgment thing. Like they have to, they can't just like let that like be like floating in the wind forever. Um, but this this final battle with like the celestial head as an island now, I, I don't know if they're ever gonna <laughs> address that. That might just be a thing that we'll have to deal with. Like uh they they brought up sword in WandaVision. I, I yeah my guess is that um if we ever do see the celestial head or mentioned I think it would be in regards to sword like we might see a sword base or something of them studying um the celestial we might see it mentioned in say like my guess would be Captain Marvel too you know I guess the Marvels um if they bring up the fact that sword's been looking into this and something is happening that's my personal guess is that it'll be more of like a research or like um, a name drop that they'll, they'll just throw in after in, in probably that movie. It makes sense. So since I know like both of you guys don't have the most lukewarm reaction to this movie, is there a favorite eternal that you guys had? I have to look at the cast list because I do not know all the characters. Uh, I mean, look, there are a lot of Eternals, right? That That is a problem with the movie. Um, do I have a favorite? I don't know. Do you have a favorite Eternal, uh, Christian? Um, probably Angelina Jolie's character, Athena. Uh, um, I think uh, she probably had, I think she had like, probably the best arc i think of everybody how she was kind of going insane or mad weary as they call it and um she was being taken care of by gilgamesh throughout the movie and i thought they had like a nice dynamic but of course gilgamesh dies throughout and she's um she wants to get her revenge throughout the movie so probably her or you know even though ajak dies very very quickly um as like kind of the the parental figure, I thought she worked pretty well. Uh, Salma Hayek's character, she worked pretty well. Um, so I think I, I would say those two. Yeah. Yeah. I think, oh yeah. Go ahead, Prefrio. No, I was just gonna. I was gonna agree with Christian. I think my favorite was Athena and Jinjo Lee's character. Um, just because I mean, you talked about like the whole like 
relatability, Henry. And I think like for her, she just felt like the more humanized eternal, you know, she, she, you could tell like she wasn't um, flawless. She had her issues with the whole, um, where she couldn't control her herself, you know, she had to go into like isolation to better herself and everything. Like she was like the most like vulnerable, eternal. And um, and I, I don't know, I just liked her her story arc more. Like obviously yeah, like Sprite and Cersei were definitely had like their um uh humanized characteristics of like wanting love and going to um living among humans but i just didn't care for them and but besides Thena, i think the other character i really enjoyed it was uh uh fatos um yeah oh, uh, fastos fastos yeah i thought i just thought like i just thought he was fucking hilarious and like yeah like uh his um character's storyline also just made sense to like why he didn't like humans and then like why he totally like changed his mind it was like you know like it goes back to, into this whole like reason why i love like the philosophical take on on the eternals was like you know you're human to like fall in love um find happiness um live and die you know and i just felt like that's what he uh, found and why he decides to help humans at the end yeah cool yeah i think i would pick fastos also i mean brian tyree henry is great like i'm just a big fan of his work like into the spider-verse atlanta um godzilla versus kong like he, he's always good um so i guess that would be my pick if I had to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is um, maybe a note of optimism here. Optimism here, because uh, I've been so down on this movie. Um, I was thinking back a bit about, you know, past cases where I've, I've felt like, oh, shoot, uh, the MCU is... is uh, at a bit of a crossroads, you know, like I'm a little bit of uncertainty. And I can tell you like exactly when this was. It was a while ago. It was in 2013. Because 2013, uh, this was right after the Avengers movie came out, the first Avengers movie. Great, uh, phenomenal, broke a lot of records, etc. Um, but then that year, Iron Man 3 came out. And it was immediately followed by Thor the Dark World. And I was like, oh, shit, did we just uh, jump the shark here? Um, I thought, like, this whole thing was kind of coming, crashing down. Um, and I, I had kind of like a similar thought here where I was like, oh, man, this is, this is this movie just did not work for me. And also there are signs that I'm like, oh, this might be the future of things, too, like. We might be seeing a lot more of the Eternals and the Star Fox guy and all their cheesy costumes and stuff, right? Is this where we're heading? You know, um, uh, but my note of optimism is that 
I was dead wrong back then because uh, immediately afterward, 2014, Captain America, the Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy came out. And then, you know, the rest is history, essentially. Um, a lot of cool, awesome shit came out. Um, so I'm staying optimistic that uh, uh, this is just a blip in the road, I guess you could say. Um, so um, I'm, I'm staying optimistic for the future of the MCU. Okay, so we're running a little long. Why don't we get to our ratings? This should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Who should we start with? Hmm. Maybe we should start with the the more middling kind of guy. How about yeah? How about gonna, Christian? Say, let's start. Let's start with Christian. Yeah. What would you rate <laughs> Eternals? I'm going. There's a couple scores I'm going back and forth, but other are all that great. Um. I think that, like, overall, I think I would say I would describe this movie as, like, crumbled under its own ambition. Um, I think it brings a lot lot of new ideas to the table. It brings a lot of new ways that it filmed things. And it took a bold direction. And, um, like, I'm glad that the the MCU is really trying something different here. And that they really kind of went all in. For the most part, on this idea, I think you do see the MCU kind of cre- that like MCU style creep ba- back in, uh, and like, but I do think like, 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 uh, yeah, you can see I'm like kind of flip flopping between like a lot of different <laughs> ideas. It's got a lot of different ideas, but I don't think they're executed really very well, um, and so I'm uh, like. I'm kind of teetering between uh, honestly a one and a two. I think that there's a lot that I really didn't like. There's a lot that didn't really work for me, but I think there's a lot of other things that really did. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a two. I think that um, I like the, the, the ideas. I like some of the other stuff around the movie, but I didn't really care for the movie itself. And I think that it could blossom into later things. I think this movie could be the one that kind of has to fall. So uh, a better movie could kind of pick up the pieces and really do something great with this, with cosmic Marvel and the Eternals. So two out of five. Good take. And uh, with that, I think um, we like to end things on a positive note so why don't i go next um you guessed it i'm going with a one. First time ever i've given a movie a one out of five on our podcast and i'm going with a one here um look uh, we've talked a little bit about guardians of the galaxy guardians of the galaxy proved that you can take unknown superheroes and make an excellent movie. So it wasn't an impossible task here. It, it could have worked. Uh, it simply did not. Um, just the filmmaking just did not work for me at all. Um, but perhaps more than that, um, there's something I wanted to mention that I think I mentioned before. We had an episode about the worst superhero movies of all time and i mentioned something about 
how a truly bad superhero movie needs to not only be bad, but it also has to break your heart. And I think this movie also broke my heart um, because not not because I thought it was going to be a great movie or anything like that. I didn't have high expectations. No, I did not. Uh, but quite simply, it is a Marvel Studios movie. And with Marvel Studios, look, there is a standard of excellence here. And with that standard of excellence, there is also the connected universe we brought up before. Um, this movie is bad and we cannot sweep this under the rug. It is here. We have to deal with it. It's like, uh, it's like, you know, the illness that will stay with you the rest of your life. Right. It's like, it's like, you can, if you get a cold, you can get over the cold, but there are certain illnesses, uh, that, uh, so certain illnesses that don't go away and it, it kind of feels like that right like it's there and uh it, it's part of the dna of the marvel cinematic universe and that fact really stings man um and uh again you know i wanted to like this movie um i i advocate the diversity in the cast and the crew um but uh, it simply did not work one out of five. Okay, on to you, Preferio. You know, like I, I, if, you know, if I could do between like half numbers, I probably would pick like a 3.5 because I'd go, be, go back and forth between a three and a four. Um, but I think you know, ultimately, I'd probably give it a four um, just because I thought it was fresh. I uh, I like the visuals. I like this whole, like, um, philosophical take it did on it. The action scenes were great. Um, I guess, like, the main issue I had with it was just that it was too long, that, like, it you didn't care for the characters. Um, it was hard to create character development. I love the storyline. I like the humor and the costumes. And I just like this whole like settings of like the godlike characters. Um, but it was just too many characters to keep track of, too many characters to care about. And yeah, the storyline was just all over the place. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's my take. <laughs> Excellent. So like I mentioned, uh, we're all across the board here, and that does kind of re reflect what's going on, going on out there. Um, there's a lot of division on this movie, and that's fine. You know, that's okay. We're still friends, <laughs> right? Okay. With that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry, Perferio, and Christian. <laughs>